is going on, guys? Gate 4 Podcast is back. Luke Owens alongside Corey Austin. And, Corey, it has been too damn long since we got behind the Way microphone. too long. It's so good to be back. A lot of crazy stuff's happened over the last year. Uh, obviously, you know, we all know what's been going on. Um, but no base baseball was happening, but it wasn't the same. Short 60-game season. Offseason was ridiculous from all these teams trying to claim poverty. Really not much to talk about, and anything we could talk about was negative. And Luke and I don't really like to be negative that often unless we're talking about the Knicks. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's good to be back. Hopefully we have more positive stuff to talk about now that baseball's starting to get to normal. We got fans coming back in the stands. The weather's starting to get nice out. Life's looking like it couldn't be a little bit better. Luke, I, can, I am so glad we are back. Yeah, me too. And, I, yeah, I got to stay here in upstate New York. It's been a little balmy these last two days. I don't know about down in Jer- – or I guess uh, – where you are in Jersey, but it's been it's been kind of nice out. It kind of has that that spring feel going. Yeah, it's starting to get there. It's still been in the 30s here, but honestly, anything that doesn't include snow is considered the spring to me. It has snowed so much over the last couple of days, like weeks or so, and I am so over it. Yeah, it's crazy. We've gotten a lot of snow here, but it's been even worse down like down towards New York City and Jersey's gotten oh hit even God. harder. Here. That's rare because we usually, you know, Syracuse yeah. is the number one in the country in snow, but this year we're lagging behind a little bit. Dude, now I don't understand how people live by you, like live by you and deal with this every year. I we didn't even get that much snow this year. Like we got a good amount, but it was like spread out. We would get like six inches of snow every four days for like two weeks. That was different. I'm used to like one thirty inch snowstorm. The whole city shut, the whole state shut down for like four days, and then we're back to normal. Yeah, I think I'm over it. But with the weather changing, I mean, we're just a couple days away from spring training. First sure. game is Sunday, uh, 1 o'clock against Toronto. And it's it's weird, Corey, because I was looking at the the regular season schedule especially. But obviously spring training, you, you kind of play a bunch of different teams. But once the regular season starts, I was like, I can't wait for the Yankees to play a team not in the AL East. And it's going to be like a few weeks. Like it's like a Toronto, uh, a Rays series, a Baltimore series. Then finally, I believe the Yankees play the Braves. So it's still going to be a little while before we get to see other divisions, but I'm yep. excited just to watch some other teams play. Yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for baseball. That's all it is. Me and my friends, we tried to get tickets to opening day. The tickets for the nosebleeds were like $180 a seat. A seat. So we're waiting till like mid-April. We're actually probably going to go in June when the Yankees play in the Red Sox. Luke, you're staying with Ashley that weekend and you're coming. Um, but it's just so awesome to see Yankee baseball coming back. And not even Yankees, baseball in general. Yeah, I saw some tickets for for uh, Dodgers potential opening day, and they were going for like six grand a piece, which is ridiculous. Yeah. What's going to happen with these limited seats is you're going to have people that are just garbage human beings that resell for a ridiculous amount of money, yep. and then that kind of just ruins it for everyone else like us that just wants to go enjoy a game. Like, like come on, we haven't had live baseball in so long. Being able to go in person, like if these scalpers could just relax for a few weeks, that'd be nice. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, that's not going to happen. People, whenever people have, whenever people who have a chance to make money want to make money, they're going to do whatever they can, no matter who else it screws over. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen that a lot over the last, the last yep. few weeks with stock markets and basketball highlights, <laughs> you name it. Uh, um, but we've got a lot to get into where we've got some exciting stuff. Some We started some somber news, I guess you could say, out of Yankees camp. And it's really dominated spring training, and that's yep. been Domingo Herman. Uh, he's been a major topic of discussion early on here in spring training, and he spoke to the media for the first time, uh, translated from Spanish. He said, I want to take this opportunity before answering questions to sincerely apologize to the Steinbrenner family, my teammates, the front office, and those around who love me. 
I've made mistakes of which I'm not proud of. And for that, I want to apologize. I want to thank Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman for being so patient with me. They've always sincerely tried to help me when I was going through my worst moments. So Corey, you know, Herman's a guy that has really been cryptic this offseason. You know, people thought he was retiring. People thought he wasn't going to yep. come back. And he's been a really a major topic. Teammates coming out, speaking against him. And we finally hear from him for the first time. It's It's been interesting to see because me and you have talked about it, like, just when we're texting, like, in length. Like, this isn't the same type of reaction that Chapman got. And Chapman used a gun, and f- at least according to reports. Because, in like, technically, yeah, Chapman's ex-girlfriend dropped the charges so we don't fully know what happened. But the report said that he fired a gun into the garage, like, right next to her. And yeah. I don't want to start giving, like, obviously, all domestic violence, completely unacceptable. Anybody who can hit a girl or a woman does not deserve anything. But, like, the fact that we're giving Hermans this big of a problem and we're ignoring Chapman has just been really interesting to me. Especially, leaving the fans aside, but the reaction from the teammates, that's been the most interesting. They, it's... I don't really want to like make a comment on it because I don't really know what to say about it. It's just been so interesting to see what the teammates have been saying about Herman versus when the Yankees traded for Chapman and then re-signed him to the largest contractor reliever in MLB history. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of layers to this. And I think, first yeah. of all, speaking on the, the Chapman front, I think the sad reality of sports, and we've seen it across the board, is that if you have talent, it kind of it's yep. kind of the, the deodorizer, you know? It kind yep. of gets rid of that that smell around you. And I think that's what's happened with Aroldis Chapman. We've seen it across sports with Antonio Brown. But then you see a situation like Jared Porter or Mickey Calloway, and those guys yep. get fired. You know, they don't have jobs anymore. But because these are the guys that make, uh, you know, that, that help teams win, especially yep. Chapman, he's the best, been the best reliever on the Yankees. He's their closer. Like, I think that is a little bit of the reason why. Whereas Herman, you know, he's a younger guy, hasn't really proven himself much. And I think he maybe might just be an easier target. It's a sad reality, but I think it's just something that happens in sports. I actually think I'm inclined to agree with you. It's just Chapman, you know, been one of the best relievers in baseball since he got – arguably the best reliever in baseball since he got into the majors in 2011. And even if you look across sports, like Kareem Hunt in the NFL got cut by the Kansas City – almost said Royals – got cut by the (laughs) Kansas City Chiefs. As soon as the suspension was over, he had to deal with the Browns. Like, I mean, immediately – Yep. It, it's happened across all sports. If you're good at it, it's basically saying if you're at elite at your job or your position in sports, it's not okay, but we're going to kind of look the other way. You know, you might have to change a team here and wait a week of a uh, lose a week of the season. But it's so interesting. Like looking at some of these co- comments from the other players, I think Luke Voigt, Luke Voigt had the best comment about it. Um, he basically said his exact quote was, we have his back, but he's skating on thin ice and needs to reevaluate his life. That's interesting. I think that's the best comedy that's been made about him. Britton also saying you don't get to control who your teammates are. It's, that was a great comment too, but I do think Void had the best one because he is still a Yankees teammate. So, I mean, they can't just shun a guy out of the whole team, but they are saying he's skating on thin ice. If something doesn't change it, he's done. And that I can agree with. Yeah, and I also, Corey, I think when you said, you know, why why are they reacting so strongly to this? I wonder if it's because, I mean, think about this incident. This is something that happened at CC Sabathia's charity event, you know? True. The whole team was there. One of his teammates had to go back True. to his house to calm him down. Like, this was a situation they couldn't ignore or pretend that, you know, maybe we don't know the details because they saw it. They saw what yeah, happened. they saw what you know, happened. Yeah, great good point. I'm sure it's a really, you know, I've never experienced that in person, like seeing that happen, but I can't That's imagine true. it's... It's got to be just a scary 
thing to see one of your teammates do, you know, right in front of everyone. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about it that way. With the whole Chapman thing, he was, you know, before the season started, he was in his home. Nobody was around. That is a good point. Maybe because the players actually saw it go down and were there for it, they were like, wait, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. Yeah, and I think the last point I want to make before we move on, because, I mean, obviously we both agree that what Domingo Herman did was terrible. It was it was horrifying, and no one should ever be able to do it. Mm. But a lot of the conversation now is, you know, what do the Yankees do with him? Because to me, they didn't cut him right away, and they knew what happened. So clearly, mm. cutting him now, I think, would just feel like eyewash. And, yeah. you know, I think, you know, maybe this is me being optimistic, but maybe the Yankees are thinking, you know what, Herman's a guy that, you know, we've known for a while. He came up with us. You know, we we still think that there's something there. Maybe they think that, you know, they can kind of change him, kind of try to get him back mm-hmm. on the right track. And you know yep. what? Maybe it's completely selfish. Maybe it's, you know what? We need some depth. We need some arms in our rotation and, and we need help winning. And I wouldn't be surprised about that. But maybe the Yankees deep down believe that they can try to help this guy instead of just kind of throwing him to the dogs. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes it's better to rehabilitate than just cut ties with because if they cut ties with it and his career's over, that's only going to make a matter of like an angrier person. And who knows where you can go from there. But also, it's interesting. I really liked how the Cubs handled the Addison Russell situation when it happened with him. They kept him, but they put out a statement. They were like, we're, we're putting him in the minors. He's got to earn our trust back. He's got to work his way back up to the big leagues. He uh, Obviously, Addison Russell, after the whole suspension and everything happened, he, was never the, he wasn't the same player after that. So the Cubs ended up releasing him. Um, but the whole situation and how they handled it really was a smart move. You know, they had him do classes, they had him do sensitivity training, they had him do a lot of these things to help him rehabilitate himself, to not be such a bad person anymore, and they gave him a chance to earn his earn himself back. I think that was the best way any team has handled one of these situations versus just, obviously you can go the easy route and just straight outright release somebody or cut somebody, you know, avoid any of the, you know, social media headaches, the, flat, the pushback, but the Cubs way when they said, when they said we're going to help him become a better person i thought that was the best situation if the yankees are taking that route then i'm all on board but if the yankees go back and do what they did with chapman and basically sweep it under the rug and say yeah we're just going to kind of hope hope everybody forgets it happens then i think the yankees have a big organizational philosophy standpoint that they need to work on because i'm all for winning i'm all for winning at, at all costs and you know whatever's best for the team but at some point like and we, i know we say this a lot you know when cc left the team in 2015 to get help for his alcoholism some things are bigger than sports and things like domestic violence. They need to start becoming bigger than sports because as of now, throughout all sports, unfortunately it isn't, but it needs yeah. to start becoming bigger than sports. Yeah. And that, that's my biggest thing is like, yeah. you know, if you're sorry, then show me, you know, show me yep. that you're taking the steps yep. to become a better person yep. because what you did, you know, Voight came out, Britain came out and it's great that they're saying these things. Now they're holding him accountable. And I think that's yep. the biggest thing. When it all, it all, it, it's really all going to come down to was, is Herman actually sorry for what he did? Or is he sorry that he did it in public and got caught? Yep. I that's think really that's what it's all going to come down to. Yeah, I think that perfectly kind of sums it up. So we'll keep an eye on the Herman situation Absolutely. As, as that progresses. That's, that's going to go on through the whole season. That's not going on. Oh, away. yeah. There's going to be questions. There's going to be a lot of, you know, things brought up. There's going to be a lot of people rooting against him. I mean, plain and simple. Yeah. There's a lot of people that hate Earl Chapman, And that's yep. just – and that's perfectly fine. If, if Yankees fans don't feel comfortable rooting for him, if he takes the ball every five days, I, I can't blame them. So yeah. he's going to have to earn – a lot of trust back, but we'll 100%. we'll move on. We've got a lot of we got a lot of outfield talk to get to. We do have a lot of outfield uh, today talk today with, with some news coming out, and of course, Brett Gardner was re-signed to a one-year deal worth about four million dollars for this year. He's also got a player option for his second year, and then if that's declined, the Yankees can pick up a team option 
for $7 million or buy him out for a million. So first off, Corey, you're kind of, you, you are a little bit more well-versed about this uh, than me, but kind of an interesting contract structure for Gardner. Yeah. So it's been interesting. I've been seeing this contract, a, a contract structure a few times this off season. It started with Gardner, but since Gardner got signed, I've seen it two other times. I feel like I've seen it more, but I can only find two instances of it. Uh, Justin Wilson signed pretty much the exact same contract with the Yankees, but one step further, he also gets a team option for 2023 if the 2022 player option is accepted. So if he declines the player option for 2022, then the 2023 team option goes away. The other person who signed it was Kevin Pillar with the Mets. Same type of structure, 2022 player option for $2.9 million if, for uh, 2022. If he declines it, then it turns into a $6.4 million club option. I don't know where this type of option came from. I don't know where who came up with this contract. I don't know how this even got brought up. <clears throat> it is one of the yeah. most interesting contracts I've ever seen. <laughs> it's it's very interesting, and, and especially for a guy in Brett Gardner that I thought, like, all right, this is going to be a one-year deal. Gardner's going to call and say, this is it for me. But clearly mm-hmm. that's not – I mean, it could be the case. Maybe he'll say, you know what, this – you know, I can't yeah. do it anymore. But, I mean, it's not like he's always been healthy. He's still a guy that's very athletic for his age. Like, I could see him playing longer. But I thought maybe this would be him winding down, and, and we'll see. Yeah. But, you know, initially when the contract comes out, I, I can't lie. I was a little bit upset just because I think the, the connotation behind Brett Gardner coming back is – well, what does this do for Clint Frazier? You know, is this mm. going to steal at bats from him? Is Gardner mm. going to be placed against righties, even though Clint Frazier absolutely has been raking righties? You know, is this going to take at bats away from him? So my initial reaction was like, okay, can Clint Frazier still start? And it seems like that's still going to be the case. You know, yeah. Aaron Boone said that Clint's earned that right to be the starting left fielder, which makes me happy. So past that, you know, if Gardner's a depth piece in that outfield that has just been so banged up over the last few years, I'm okay with that. Yep. I just don't want it to come at the expense of Clint Frazier. No, I completely agree. Look, Clint Frazier, it was only a 40-game sample size, not even, 39-game sample size, 160 plate appearances, but he put up 150 way to runs created plus. Now, Luke, I know you're not an analytics guy, and I'm sure we're not going to – I'm sure everybody listening is not going to be an analytics guy. Well, that, see, Corey, I think we have a nice balance because, I mean, I, yep. listen, I like analytics, but I don't, Absolutely. I, don't, I don't understand them enough to lean on them in, a, in an argument, but I think we have a nice balance here. Yeah, absolutely. Us, so. But even, even so trying, I, I think yeah. analytics are still a very important thing to, to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And even if we, like, go with just some – even – I mean, and we're not even talking about, like, this is one of those guys who has bad, like, traditional stats, but analytics people are like, well, if you look at this number and this equation, he's going to be good. He was just good across the board. Eight home runs and 160 plate appearances, 24 runs, 26 RBIs. He had a 16 walk percentage. He cut his K per- he's cut his K percentage every year he's been in the majors, um, which has been huge. His uh, he's getting on base. He's almost a 400 on base percentage last year. He's just been good, and it all comes back. So he made huge swing changes last season, uh, going into 2020 season. Obviously, if he got a full season, it would be a lot easier to discuss the future of him. But he did make some legitimate swing changes. Not only at not only did he make changes in the at the plate, he completely reworked his defense. I mean, completely reworked his defense. Yeah, he looked really good in the field last year. And that was huge for the Yankees because, I mean, there are a lot of guys missing. I mean, Hicks got hurt for a while, Judge, Stanton. I mean, there there was a lot of holes in the outfield. And for Clint to step in on both sides, because especially last year, because Gardner, I mean, he didn't have a great uh, year at all. I mean, he hit 223. And the big issue for me was when he started over Clint in the playoffs. 
obviously he has a couple of big hits and everyone's like, well, that's why you keep Gardner around. And that's really what, what got to me was just people <laughs> victory lapping after like two playoff games from Brett Gardner. Yep. But when you look at Clint Frazier, he's, he's young, but he's not the youngest, you know, he's yeah. 26 years old. That's about the time where you want to see him getting regular at bats. And that's what I'm hoping yep. for, because I mean, we talk about his elite bat speed all the time. And the Yankees posted a video today of him just absolutely smoking a home run. Uh, in live batting practice, and that, it just gets me excited. He's an exciting player. He he's is. got that swagger to people, him. You, know, you see him yeah. coming to the ballpark in the outfits and the cleats and everything. Like he's just a really fun guy to watch. People forget he was a like a universal top twenty prospect, and he was a top ten hitting prospect before he debuted with the Yankees. Now, obviously, he had the concussion issue that slowed him down. The two flu concussions that really almost looked like it might end his career, but it didn't. Um, he had, you know, the Yankees basically told them like, oh, we're just going to keep you on the team, but barely give you playing time for uh, pretty much since he got into the big leagues outside of the concussions. So a lot of his struggles really weren't on him. I mean, look, if you collide running the bases with a, with a fielder and you get a concussion from that, that's not being injury prone. That's maybe look better when you're running on the bases, but that's not being injury prone. That is just as fluke of an injury as you can get. So yeah. I'm, I've, me and you both agreed we've never wavered on Frazier. We both may have been like, well, maybe he's not as good, but we've never fully wavered on Frazier. But I've after the 2020, I'm fully back in. Yeah, me too. And and I think he, he him and and I think Gardner falls into this category as well of being so important because mm-hmm. look, we know what Judge, what Hicks, what Stanton is when they're healthy. You know, we know yeah. that they're they're gonna produce. And you know, a guy that I think is gonna be important too is Mike Talkman, who. He took some steps back last year. I mean, it was apparent. Yeah. He just was not the same guy. You know, in 2019, yep. he played 87 games. He looked great. I mean, he really did. And by any by any number you threw out there, and I believe in terms of uh, weighted runs created plus, I believe he was like a top 30 outfielder across the board. Mm-hmm. Like, he was fantastic. And then last year, he just looked lost. I mean, sometimes guys just look like, you know, maybe it's a shortened season. Maybe it's not getting consistent at bats. But mm-hmm. he looked lost. And I think those three between Talkman, Frazier, and Gardner – they're going to have to put kind of their their talents together and kind of make at least one good outfielder of the three of them. And I think that's major, but those backup pieces are just as important, especially Talkman, a guy that great defensively, and the Yankees kind of found a little bit mm-hmm. of that bat last year, and I'm hoping that they can find that again this year. Yeah, I, no, I absolutely agree. Talkman, so I kind of take the 2020 season, I take everything with a grain of salt, whether it's good performance, whether it's bad performance, whether it's uh, whatever it is. It all goes case to case. On a guy like Talkman, who had a great 2019, same thing honestly goes for Mike Ford. A guy who had a gr- guy who had great 2019, looked like he might be a great bench bat or fourth outfielder or backup or whatever for the next six years. Really looked like one of those rare hidden gems that the Yankees seem to find all the time. Then comes back and struggles in 2020. I'm taking that with a grain of salt because, look, there was basically no spring training. There was, yeah, we had a couple, they had the couple of like, you could play team, you could play a team who's close to your town. Yankees played the Mets twice. It is what it is before the season. That's not the same. Every team had record injuries last season when it comes to it. I'm giving these guys the benefit of the doubt. I'm giving them 2021 to kind of find themselves. I'm still weighing on Mike Talkman. Even if he's only a league average bat, his defense is insane. Yeah, it is. That's the biggest part. And let's talk about those big guys. Let's talk about yeah. Aaron Judge. Let's talk about John Carl Stanton and Aaron Hicks. And for Judge and Stanton, I mean, the best ability is availability. We've been saying it yeah. uh, for years with them. And a lot of that's fluke injuries. I think you and I both aren't kind of in that weird – you know, there's a lot of Yankees fans that are like, oh, they're so injury-prone because they're so muscular. Yep. And, look, you look at some of the injuries that judges had. I mean, the broken wrist on a hit-by-pitch, you know, the dive in the broken ribs, yep. the, 
the swinging and the oblique injury. Like these are really odd injuries. Same with Stan. You know, he's running. He he hurts his calf. You know, maybe that has something to do with him. His mm. size, his tendons, and they're they're taking up yoga this offseason, Corey. Yeah, they're, they're laying back on on the weights. So if they can stay healthy, I mean, it's a big if, and it's it's something that you cross your fingers with every single year. But I mean, Judge and Stan are going to be the two biggest pieces in that lineup. Yeah, absolutely. No, look, I'm no doctor. I'm genuinely not sure how the yoga will actually affect them. I'm not anything. I'm not a muscle expert. But if the muscles are so, basically, what they're doing is they cut back on the weightlifting and replace some of the weightlifting with yoga. So it's not like they're still lifting weights like madmen and then doing yoga on top of it. They're actually pulling it back a bit in order to not overwork the muscles and to stretch them out more. So if this yoga becomes a thing. And judges, if they do the yoga, and so Luke Boyd actually joined them too. Boyd hasn't been injury prone at all. He had the core muscle injury from swinging the bat. That could be considered, I mean, we all know Boyd's a freaking monster with the weights. I mean, what did he bench 180 yeah. with one hand? But he cut, he cut a little bit last year. You could tell he was he did. a little bit he did. skinnier. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, Boyd was much skinnier last season. Um, yeah, and he's still a tank, but he kind of yeah. And, yeah. and even with Boyd, I mean, he's a guy that still he still had his power. You know, obviously, like yeah. the major league in home yeah, runs, yeah, twenty two home runs. But like, he was so yeah. available. Like he had the foot injury, but he played through it. Like he didn't miss many games. And I think that's the biggest thing is just trying to get them to to get through a season. Absolutely. Now, what I want to say on it: if it works for Stanton and Judge, if Stanton and Judge both play one hundred and fifty plus games this season, and Void as well. Obviously, you know, if games get canceled for COVID and whatnot, you know what I mean. If Judge yeah. and Void play 90% of the Yan- – Judge, Stanton, and Void all play 85 to 90% of the Yankees' games this season. If I'm the Yankees' front office, I am buying 40 yoga mats. I am building a, <laughs> literally an office solely invent- like solely built to ha- house those 40 yoga mats, and I am requiring every player for the rest of time to do at least an hour of yoga a week. <laughs> It, it seems kind of unfair, though, Corey. The pitchers get the uh, they get the gas station, but the hitters all they get is a yoga mat. It seems kind of unfair. <laughs> hey, you know what, man? Whatever works. Judge, whatever works. I think people forget. Judge and Stanton are both top five players of baseball. I mean, yeah. Stanton is arguably a top three hitter when he's. I mean, we all saw what he did in the playoffs last year. You know, six home runs in five games or five home runs in four games. I don't remember which one it was. Point is, dude was mashing. He people forget how good he is. Yeah, I know he struck out two hundred and whatever times when he first got to the Yankees. Look, I'm gonna. I've said it before and I said it again. I genuinely could not care less about how much he struck out. Genuinely could not care less. Do I want to see him have sixteen five strikeout games this season? No, obviously not. But what I Yankees get guys on base. They're they have one of the highest walk percentages in the big leagues. They're more times than not they're gonna have a guy on first base to lead off an inning because of it. Lead off an inning with two outs, whatever. Do you want a strikeout or do you want ground balls to second with guys on first and second? You want the strikeout. Yeah, yeah so. and I think with Stan, I mean, sorry, sorry to cut you off, Corey, but no, I just no, want to you're good. say, like, with, with Stanton in 2018, which, I mean, he played 158 games for, for the Yankees. And, yeah, he struck out, like, like you said, he struck out 200 times. And the walks weren't really where you want them to be. But he still had 38 home runs, 100 RBIs. I mean, he's yeah. still a guy that I think can, can produce at that level. And the the new the nuance now is the kind of flip flop of what the Yankees want to do with him because it came out first that they wanted to just DH him and now they're thinking about playing him in the outfield too. So people also forget Stanton, you know, in right field it was with Miami. He was a really good defender yeah. when he was out in right. Never really figured out left field, but didn't get a ton of reps. And I have a feeling that if he could get consistent playing time in left field, I'm sure he could figure it out because. It's not like they're the same exact position because they're not. And left field in Yankee Stadium is notoriously tough to play. 
but there is still, I think, that good defender with a really strong arm in John Carlos I completely agree. And look, if 2018 was his down year where he put up 38 home runs, he had a 128 weighted runs created a plus, and he was worth 4.3 Fangra- uh, war according to Fangraphs, if that's his down year, sign me up. <laughs> like, yeah, and that's the thing. It's just, I think it's just because of the contract why Yankees fans expect him, and maybe it's because he's not yeah. homegrown. Because Judge, you don't hear the same criticisms about Judge. You don't hear no. Yankees fans complaining when he misses games. Like, yeah, they're disappointed, but you don't hear the same noise as when John Carlos yeah. Stanton, A, misses games, or B, strikes out four times a game. You don't hear that about Aaron Judge. I think it's yeah. the contract. I think it's the trade or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Not a homegrown guy, but there's no reason for John Carlos Stanton to get as much hate as he does. I agree. And look, my thing about it is, do I want Stanton playing 162 games? Of course I do. Does Stanton want to be playing 162 games? Of course he does. It's not like Stanton goes into a season and he's like, all right, I'm going to play 85 games this season and then I'm going to find an injury so I can take the rest of the year off and party. No player does that. Maybe Jeremy Giambi back when he was a player, going with a football oh, yeah. reference. But oh, yeah. Players- <laughs> he was getting after it. He, he was, was getting he, after it. He liked to party. He liked to party. That's why Billy Bean had to trade him. Um, <laughs> look. Players don't want to be injured. I think there's a huge disconnect with that. You know, Judge goes down with the oblique injury. Stanton goes down with the hamstring injury. Do Yankee fans think they are happy that it happened to them? Like, that's the thing I don't understand. They don't want to be injured. Stanton doesn't want to be... I mean, look, Stanton's played less than 50 games the last two years. He doesn't want to be playing less than 50 games. Like, he doesn't want to not be playing. That's what I don't understand. It seems like Yankee fans think that they are happy they're missing games. They yeah. would play 162 games for 10 straight years if they possibly could. Yeah, I mean, they love the game. I mean, this is what yeah. they're getting paid to do. It's not, Absolutely. you know, and, and that's just the tough part. And, and I yeah. get it. Playing in New York, you know, the fans are obviously more, they expect more out of you. They're ruthless. Yeah. And that's why I think they, they catch some of that, that slack. And the third guy in that equation that's so interesting is Aaron Hicks. And he's really struggled to stay healthy. But last year, yeah. he played 54 games out of 60. So, Yep. You'll, you'll take that uh, from Aaron Hicks. But he did really struggle at the plate. You know, he hit 225. Uh, I believe – I'm trying to think. I haven't looked at him analytically since probably last offseason, but I don't think his numbers were that great anywhere around. And I think that he did struggle a little bit. Only six home runs is something that you would expect a little bit more. Yes, it's a mm-hmm. short season, but you expect a little more power from Hicks. And one thing that he uh, said was that uh, he could he could go hit 30 home runs this year, Corey. And, and you were kind of – writing on our sheet before, but you were saying, you know, I'm not too worried about uh, the 30 home runs. I want him to work on the rest of his game too. Yeah. So the thing that's interesting to me, to me about Hicks, especially in 2020, he had an 18 K percentage, but he had a 20 walk percentage. So somebody who strikes out as much as Hicks and Hicks strikes, he doesn't strike out a lot, obviously 18%, especially in today's game. That's extreme. That's definitely on the low. Oh, yeah. Strikeouts. No, that's low. Yeah. But if he's walking at a 20% clip, that is that's like Mike Trout, Aaron Judge territory. That is top tier. I'm actually looking at it now. So let's see. In Judge's best walk season, which was his rookie season when he put up a 422 OBP, he only walked 18.7 percent of the time. So yeah. Hicks, if he if that change is legitimate and he's actually striking out, so if he's striking out less than he walks and he's walking at that high of a clip, that's huge. I mean, you said, I mean, like you said. Six did have kind of, I don't want to say a down year on offense. It was actually his third best offensive season um, in the big leagues. Now, obviously, 2019, he was injured for a lot of it. Um, so it's hard to judge there. But he did put up a 123 WRC plus. 
And he was a 1.1. He did have put up 1.1 WAR in 54 games. If you times that by three, he's a three. He's a three-win player. So he actually, and he actually had his worst offensive season in the big leagues last year too, which is really interesting. But like you said, like you said, he said he thinks he can hit 30 home runs. I'm not too interested in the 30 home runs. We're gonna ha- we're gonna put up 200 home runs as a team this year, even if all of our starters get hurt, because we're so we have such depth on the offensive uh, on the offensive uh, yeah. thing. I'm yeah, not worried Hicks about is, that. Yeah, Hicks is just a guy to me. Like when he's on, he's so fun to watch. I mean, the the swing from the left side, especially, oh, is so, so pretty. Nice. He's so, so fantastic nice. in center, like you said. Struggled, not struggled, but wasn't his best year defensively last year in center. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's a guy that you expect to to yeah. be, a, you know, a top tier defensive Absolutely. center as well. I mean, he's just to me. I, there's so many X factors when you talk about the Yankees lineup, but he is just another one that's like. You know, yep. if he can kind of sandwich himself, you know, maybe he'll be in between Judge and Stanton. They like to use him in that three-hole. Yep. You know, he's a guy that I think is is a big X factor going into next year. Yeah, in 2018, Stanton won – or Stanton, excuse me. In 2018, Hicks won – was a 5-1 player. He put up five fa- of war for fan graphs. Yeah, That's not fantastic. easy to do. That is not easy to do. And if I pull – I'm going to pull up the leaderboards just because I want to show how uneasy that is to do. In 2018, five wins made him the 21st best hitter in baseball. Yeah. Like, that's not easy to do at all. I mean, the fact that he was able to put up five wins shows the type of talent he can be. Now, he was hurt for the two years after that. So, it's he was hurt for the two years after that. Oh, not actually. He was hurt for 2019, and the 2020 was a short season, so he hasn't really had a chance to get back to that level. But if he gets back to that level, and he wasn't, like, an otherworldly hitter that year. I mean, no. 20, he wasn't otherworldly. He was great defensively, which definitely helped, which definitely helped his numbers and his overall win total but 2018 27 home runs 15 walk percentage 366 obp 26 uh 219 iso isolated power so if he can put up numbers like that again he's going to be a 5-1 player again that's all the yankees need out of him they don't need him to put up 30 home runs 150 rbis they need him to play great center field defense they need him to be a great catalyst as left-handed bat in between judge and stanton Sometimes have to bat righty if they're facing a left-handed hitter that day. But you know what? If they're facing a left-handed hitter that day, that just means Judge and Stanton are going to be even better that day. Yeah, and he's going to be such an important piece. And that outfield is. is something, obviously, we'll we'll talk about a lot as the, the season and as spring yep. training progresses. But let's talk some arms. Let's talk some pitching because oh, the, the Yankees rotation, it, it's new. It's looking new. Obviously, Garrett Cole will still be the anchor there. But Corey Kluber and Jameson Tyon are going to be two big ads in the middle there. And they're trying to kind of – buck the trend the last few years that haven't you know been extremely successful with with mm. free agent signings i wouldn't say they've been terrible you know paxton had some really good moments hap you know as as much of a meme he turned into wasn't terrible at the beginning of his contract you no. know guys like that uh but then you see you know guys like lance lynn come in don't really succeed sunny gray but then they go elsewhere and succeed so there's definitely been some issues in, in getting a, a whole rotation kind of working as one and, you know, they mm-hmm. get rid of Tanaka. They let him walk back to Japan, which, you know, that, that hurts heart. a lot of Yankees fans, you know. Broke because, my heart. Because he's a guy that you can tell loves playing for the Yankees, didn't want to play anywhere else except for New York, and just such a consistent guy, you know. He was always going to take the ball, yep. didn't really get hurt, was great in the playoffs. Like, he was a guy that you knew was going to be consistent. So that puts a lot of pressure now on Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyon yep. to kind of fill that void. Yeah, Yankees losing – Masahiro Tanaka was so upsetting to me. I read that he wanted 15 to 20 million as a contract on a one-year deal. Makes a little more sense why the Yankees didn't go for it. 
if the so I don't I'm only gonna I'm gonna say this now and I'll be saying this all season. When it comes to the luxury tax, if the Yankees reset it this off season or this season and then don't go crazy next year's free agency when Freddie Freeman, Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, and so many other players are available, I will lose it. I will oh, yeah. lose it. If we if this if letting Tanaka walk for a season turns into Freddie Freeman, I'll accept it. If letting Tanaka walk for a season turns into Corey Seager at shortstop for the next seven, ten years, I'll accept it. It depends on where it goes. But focusing on 2021 solely, letting him walk to go for guys like Kluber and Tyone and Divey and Montgomery and Mike King and Clark Schmidt, Domingo Herman, Luis Severino when he comes back, it's an interesting take. Like you said, the Yankees' rotation struggles, I don't even want to call them struggles, the Yankees' rotation, like, philosophy, I guess is the word, hasn't been so inconsistent. I mean, if you look back over the last 10 years, Luke, who have been some of the best deadline acquisitions? Brandon McCarthy, Vidal Nuno, um, J.A. Happ was incredible when we traded for him. But then we get guys like Sonny Gray, who's expected to be a superstar pitcher. He's not great. We get guys like Lance Lynn, who's who was a top five, 10, top five pitcher at one point in his career. Wasn't great. They both became great after they came. So the Kluber signing is the most interesting because the last time he pitched a full season, he won the Cy Young Award. Tyone yeah. is interesting because he was a top five pitching prospect for his whole career. And he has dealt with injuries like you cannot believe. And not even injuries. The man beat cancer. And he yeah. came back and pitched later that season. So I'm all in on the rotation this year. I think this rotation is going to either be top five or bottom five. It's not that, really going to be in between. It's that kind of variation, I think, that's mm-hmm. got people excited and nervous. Because, you know, I, I agree with Aaron Boone when he says it's the deepest group of arm we've had. You know, he loves the upside, which is true. The upside is fantastic. I mean, as you oh, mentioned, yeah. Corey Kluber, he was I, – I almost hated him so much because – he just every every night he would just shove. I mean, he was just so good when he was in his prime, you know, throwing 200 innings every single year, always in the mix for the Cy Young Award, you know, making the All Star team every single year. Like he he's an absolute stud when he was with Cleveland, and in the last two years, the injuries kind of plagued him. The age catching up to him is going to be going into his age 35 season. But you got to be, you know, if you're if you're uh, Matt Blake or anyone really yep. in the the pitching side of things, you have to think that. There's something there because the Yankees were there every step of Kluber's rehab this offseason. They loved how he threw at his showcase yep. day. Like they, they've been very, very locked in on him. And that's what gives me kind of a hope that, you know, you're not going to get the the Corey Kluber that would go 20 and 7 with a 289 ERA, but you no. might get the Corey Kluber that's somewhere in between, you know, blowing his arm out and that Cy Young Award. And that's what the Yankees need is just a guy that can be consistent and that can stay healthy because. He never really had these major issues before the last two years. Before yeah. that, he was super healthy. He always was throwing 200 innings, like I said. Yeah. And the Yankees need that because they have their anchor in Garrett Cole. And now it's about finding that number two. And I think that's what Corey Kluber could be. Yep. Well, I think we can kind of write off Kluber at throwing 200 innings, not because he might not. Yeah. Like, he, even well, if he won't get the chance. No. Yeah. Even if, he's, even if he pitches like Cyan Kluber, he's only thrown 36 innings over the last two years. Yankees are going to want him help with the playoffs. He's probably going to max out on 150, maybe 160 innings if he's lucky. Um, and that's if he's pitching like a Cy Young winner. If he's not pitching that well, I don't see him staying with the Yankees all season, truthfully, to- truth be told. Because the thing that worries me the most about the Yankees getting so close to the luxury tax and not going over, we have no space for deadline acquisitions. So if Kluber's not pitching well or Tyone's not pitching well, 
they're going to have to trade from the major league team to get a deadline acquisition. Now, I know we've seen over the past like five, four or five years, basically since 2017 when the Yankees window reopened, they don't really go for the deadline acquisitions. They had Sonny Gray, but 2018 they stood pat, unless I'm forgetting somebody. 2019 they stood pat, unless I'm forgetting somebody. 2020, the, I don't even remember. Like The trade deadline was like three weeks into the season, so there really wasn't much to do. I don't remember who they traded for, truth be told, off the top of my head. But they're not really going all in at the deadline, whereas the Astros traded for Granke and Verlander at the deadline. Um, the Red Sox, when they were going all in, they made some moves that ended up you know, getting them Steve Pierce, who basically won them a World Series single-handedly. Um, the Nationals, oh, yeah. you know, they're all making moves. So that's going to be interesting. If Kluber's not pitching well halfway through the season and the Yankees need to trade for an ace, Kluber, at that point in the season, his salary left will be around $5.5 because he signed for around $11 million. They're going to have to trade him if they're going to bring somebody in. And if they go for a guy, like say they, the Reds are having a terrible year, they want to move Luis Castillo for something, the Yankees are going to have to trade Luis Castillo or the, would have to trade a guy like Kluber in that deal in order to take on Luis Castillo without going over. Yeah, Which, I wonder, if, I yeah. wonder Corey, if, if maybe the Yankees view their, their midseason acquisition as Luis Severino because he's going to be coming back around then. You know, Maybe that's kind of the boost that they think they'll need for the rotation. So maybe that's yeah. kind of another thought that they have as well. That is definitely true. I always forget Luis Severino's coming back. I'm so excited for him to make his return. I know he wasn't great in his last season. You know, he ha- he almost won the Cy Young in 2017. 2018, it looked like he was going to win the Cy Young. Then he had a really rough stretch of games, kind of ruined it for himself. 2019 started with the 2019 wasn't as great. 2020 had the injury and missed the whole season. Now he's coming back in 2021. I'm so excited for Luis Severino. Apparently, he's he's getting on the mound soon. One thing that's interesting about Tommy John's uh, surgery, so when you get it, you literally have a new, like, you literally have a new joint or tendon or whatever you want to call it in your elbow, and it's been unused, whereas Severino's been using the same one since he was, I don't know, probably six when he started pitching. Yeah. That's, I don't know if you remember. That's really weird. Yeah. That's weird to think about. Yeah. He literally has a new, he literally has a new UCL. And if you think about it, I don't know if you remember, when Jordan Montgomery came off Tommy John surgery, his first outing back, he was throwing 99. Yeah. Because he obviously didn't stay up. Yeah, it didn't stay up. He didn't have that great of a velocity there. But a guy like Severino, who throws 99 regularly, if he's getting the new UCL and his fastball even ticks up by a mile an hour to 100 miles an hour, if he stays near that, where he's been, that alone, compared with the slider and the curveball, that alone will help him a lot. Now, obviously, like you said, he's coming back in probably June, maybe July. He's probably going to – honestly, Luke, I want to hear your take on this because I've been thinking about this, and I've been waiting for us to do a podcast before I said this take. If the Yankees rotation is pitching well, I would put Severino in the bullpen. Wow. If the the rotation is pitching well and we don't need him – I don't know if you remember when he was in when he was struggling. I forgot what season it was. I want to say 2016, maybe. That was 2016, where he made 11 appearances out of the bullpen. Thank you, thank you. He was insane, and obviously that was five years ago, and when he was a rookie. But if he comes out and he pitches that well out of the bullpen, and the Yankees have a rotation that's good enough to get them into the playoffs and through it, if we add that fire reliever, that fire flamethrower reliever out of the bullpen in front of Chapman, in front of Britton, in front of Chad Green. Or a guy who, if some like say Corey Kluber goes out, gives up three runs in the first in the first three innings, throws seventy five pitches, Yankees can put Severino in for three four innings and help him start build, help him slowly get his arm strength back, help him slowly get this back, help him be elite out of the bullpen, 
Then bring him back in 2022 as a starter when his arms built up. He's gotten used to pitching again. That honestly could be the best scenario. Now, obviously, that all depends on how the rotation pitches. The rotation is terrible behind Garrett Cole when Severin comes back. Obviously, we need him in the rotation. But like, yeah. I said, if the rotation is doing well, bullpen might not be I, the worst place for him. I don't hate. I don't hate the take. I mean, even if you wanted to keep him in a routine, you could use him as an opener. You know, you don't have to yeah. throw him in there for for six innings every night. But they could Absolutely. also use. That's the thing, though. You just wonder, you know, how the league's going to handle it because I don't know. Because I'm. Obviously, I'm not a doctor, and I don't know how they want to rehab him. So, like, I don't know if it's better for him to consistently pitch every fifth day because I don't know if being in the bullpen pitching kind of here and there, I don't know how that would kind of affect his, his rehab because they're going to want to ramp up his innings, I think, at some point. But oh, like yeah. you said, if that's 2022, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I mean, they have him no. under contract. He's only 26 years old coming into this year. So he's kind of starting to enter that, that prime area. And, and Severino's really dang good when he's healthy. Like, he's literally been – one of the better pitchers in the Yankees rotation, one of the best Absolutely. in baseball when he's healthy. He just hasn't stayed healthy. And I'm hoping that this Tommy John surgery gets him on the right track because he's awesome to watch. And it's it's nice when you see a guy that the Yankees have brought through the system kind of work out, especially in the pitching department, because mm-hmm. they just haven't had a ton of that. Yeah, I can, no, I completely agree. Look, it's all going to – literally everything that they decide with Severino is going to come down to how well the rotation is pitching. Because if every if, – by some grace of God, if every play, if we get a, like a 2016 Cubs type of rotation where even the players who we were expecting to be a five starter are pitching like a two starter, we obviously can't ruin that. Or not, I don't want to say ruin that. We can't mess with that. So for some grace of God, the whole Yankees rotation is pitching like Greek gods. Then Severino's going to have to figure something out, maybe go to the bullpen. But it's all going to come back with that. Yeah. And, and we'll move on now. We talked to the Yankees. Let's talk some MLB news as well because we want to. Also Absolutely. have a little bit of that. And and some uh, an article came out uh, about uh, the Padres owner, Peter Seidler, and I thought it was pretty interesting because he was talking about the Padres, and he said there's nothing we can't do. You know, he sees that they're the eighth largest city in the U.S. You know, people say San Diego is a small market because it's not L.A., it's not New York, but he said, you know, we love this city. We want to honor and support our extraordinary fans. Uh, and he said we're going to put good teams out there. From a franchise standpoint, we're going to get support, and we're going to get it. Uh, we're going to back it up with our actions. So, obviously, they signed uh, Tatis to that new extension. They've signed Manny Machado. Eric Hosmer, who wasn't really – you know, he's not great, but I think Hosmer to them was, like, their first splash of, like, hey, we'll spend mm-hmm. money. You know, maybe it's not smart, but he had won a World Series. He was kind of blossoming into a star with Kansas City. He's not terrible, but no. he, I think he's that first step into making the Padres relevant, and then they trade for, you know, you Darvish, Mike Clevenger, you name it. Blake they Snell, really, yeah. And, you know, yeah, Blake Snell. We knocked – you know, I knock the Orioles, the Rockies, the Pirates all the time because it's it's embarrassing that they won't put money in, they won't spend, they won't mm. put a competitive team. And it's just nice to see a team like the Padres go all in. I love it. I love it. The, when the Padres signed Machado and said that they were – literally when the Padres signed Machado and then like an hour later basically said, screw service time, Tatis, Paddock, et cetera, are all going to be up to start the season. It's, it's the Padres' time to start making a splash. I became a Padres fan. The Padres are my NL team. If it's a some, if it's the MLB season and it's after 10 p.m. and you don't know where I am, I am at home watching whatever game the Padres are doing that Corey, night. Corey, West Coast baseball, baby. We are almost there. We, we are, are so there. close. We so are so Mariners. close to being able to watch West Coast baseball. In case the Angels Mariners 10 p.m. start right now, and I love, uh, it. I, love I can't wait to watch those three to two games where Mike Trout hits two solo home runs and his team gives up three runs. Can't yeah, wait. Also, uh, speaking of the Angels, I meant to add this, but Albert Pujols announced it'll be his last season. So 
That's kind of yeah. sad. I mean, Pools is a guy growing up, like, I just yeah. love you know, every at bat seemed like an automatic home run in St. Louis. Yep. Obviously, he slowed down a little bit, but one of the one of the greats. Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually interesting with that. His wife deleted that post and clarified that she meant it was his last season under contract. So there is a chance he comes back for another season. I don't think he will. I remember a few years ago he said he probably he might not even live out the entire contract because I know his daughter is like a top tier gymnast in the country and is trying to get into the Olympics. And now that the Olympics have been pushed back. She has a chance to make it. So I do remember reading about that. Um, and he said that if he said if his daughter gets to the Olympics, obviously nothing else matters. And I'm assuming the same would go for anybody else in the big leagues or any other sport or anywhere in the world if their child yeah. got to the Olympics. So <laughs> well, I hope I hope he at least announces if he is going to retire so yeah. he gets the, the tour that I, he does. I want to say goodbye to Albert Pujols. So I don't want it to be like a Jorge Posada type thing where he just like kind of says, yeah, like, yep, I'm done. done. Yeah, I want to say goodbye on, to Pujols. Right? He, yeah. People forget Albert Pujols is like arguably the most feared hitter of all time in his prime. People forget. <laughs> Every time he stepped up, it's like he's going yard. Yeah. In St. Louis. Like, I remember, like, they, the Cardinals would be must-watch television. Like, he was just – he was incredible. So, but let's let's hope he at least tells us when he's going away. Yeah, I hope so, too. And really quick, just to talk about the Padres for one last second. Oh, yeah. Go for it. I – if the, my dream World Series would be Yankees-Padres. I think that the Yankees – so, we're going to talk about it more next week. But based on all the, you know, projections and stuff that are coming out – it seems like people are universally agreeing that the Yankees, if everything goes well and they stay healthy, are going to be the best team in the AL. Now, whether that means they're going to make it to the World Series, we have yet to see because the Yankees have been the best team in the AL before and have not made it. Mm-hmm. Time and time again. But Time yeah. and time again. If they can figure it out and they make it to the World Series and it's a Yankees-Padres World Series, I honestly don't think the MLB could ask for a better World Series. Now, we all know the MLB sucks at marketing. They are awful at marketing their stars. They finally look like they're hey. starting to do something well with Tatis. Yeah, it would be hard to botch Padres Yankees. Oh my a, God. From West a marketing Coast, standpoint, yep, it'd West, be really hard to botch that. The what's it, what did uh, Cashman call it? The fully functioning um, Death Star versus the young, up and coming, like, you know, new wave of baseball, which is what the Padres are basically building. And look, I'm all for Yankees tradition, you know, signature moments, no beards, no anything like that. But seeing a team like the Padres with guys like Machado and Tatis and. Clevenger and you know whoever else they have I'm drawing a blank right now even though I could literally picture Snell all their pieces and, yeah Snell <laughs> yeah. and Dinosaur and fans they have guys yeah, yeah. Have, they have guys who have fun like Tatis I love bat flips I love when pitchers f- piss f- uh, I, oh my god I'm stumbling on my words fist bump after a strikeout I love those things I want to see more of that from the Yankees. I want to see more of that across baseball. But if we get to see, like, you know, the old traditions with the – it's like the Yankees are like a mix of old tradition and new age baseball. The Padres are just new age baseball. That would be such a great World Series. And honestly, if that happens, MLB – the MLB front office would be like – would pass out out of happiness if they got that. Yeah, that, that would be incredible. And, and as you mentioned, we'll talk next week about projections and where we think – the Yankees are going to end up in if those projections are correct. And there's a lot to break down there. So I'm excited to do that next week. Uh, but we wrap things up here with the Yankees boomer social media comment of the week, which <laughs> we've talked about doing this segment for a while. I think we got it. We're going to have to tweet out the, the picture. We'll black out the names and whatever, but I think it's oh, just yeah. a great interaction. Uh, so, so we have, Yep. Yeah, you can lead it, lead us through it, Corey, because you're the one that, that discovered it this week. So obviously everybody knows that – Yankee fans are the toughest and I'm and I'm not saying tough as in like expectation wise I mean tough as in like opinions wise because oh, yeah. there's so Red many headed. smart people in that fan base but then there's so many people who are just like they haven't 
stopped thinking about baseball outside of like 1970. And I'm not saying that in like a bad way. Look, as long as people enjoy baseball, I genuinely don't care how they view it. I just want people watching baseball, best sport in the world. But it's comments like this where I'm like, come on, use your brain. So I found this under a post about Domingo Herman and the whole domestic violence thing. Every comment is similar. Every comment's like, oh, hopefully he gets help. Some comments are like, screw this guy, let's cut him. Other comments are like, glad he came clean. Hopefully the Yankees can help him become a better person. And then the last comment on the post, let me also let me clarify. This is from three days ago. The last yeah. comment on the post says, get rid of Odovino. <laughs> First of all, Odovino was traded like a month ago. <laughs> yeah, literally a month ago to, to, to Thursday. Yeah, but second ago. of all, why yeah. are you saying that under a post about domestic violence? And third of all, do you think Brian Cashman sees that? It's not the – first of all, like, people think like they read the social media of like at Yankees and like the actual teams and they say like trade him. But like oh this God. is a Yankees fan group and he's like get rid of Odovino. Like what – who are you oh talking to? God. And Man, then, he, and so he's gone. Not there. Anymore. He's gone. He's been. He's on the Red Sox. He's been gone for a month. But uh, then, so I commented because so, I, I'm pretty good at ignoring comments on social media, especially when they're on that like, when they're like towards that level of, I don't want to say stupidity, but I'm gonna say it for lack of a better term. But I just, so I had to comment on it. I this is one of those things I had to comment. I commented they traded him like six weeks ago. And he responded with, my bad, trade Britain. <laughs> That's even better. I didn't even know he said that. I was <laughs> saving that for the podcast because I wanted to hear your reaction. And I said, why would they ever trade Britain? And he said, let him mind his own business, which I'm guessing is a reference to his comments uh, about uh, the DB. Oh my, this guy's just a bad guy. In- yeah. So I... I'm just a bad guy. Oh, my God, dude. I just don't understand. And this isn't even, like, we've had some doozies of comments over the years. And this is, like, more middle of the pack. So I'm going to start scouring for, like, top-tier great comments. But, like, that was just, like, the prime example of a Yankees fan comment. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on Facebook and Twitter as well. And and that will wrap up our show, Corey. I wanna, I'm going to ask you this one more time, one time because there's a lot. You have a lot of Twitter accounts. So what, what's okay. your Twitter account where the people can find you? <laughs> So, obviously, follow the Gate 4 podcast on Twitter. It's just at the Gate 4 podcast, number four, not spelled out. Um, but my Twitter for baseball is uh, at Corey Austin SMR, C-O-R-Y-A-U-S-T-I-N-S-M-R. Um, that's where I tweet about baseball. It's where I tweet about, you know, SMR and six-man rotation as a whole. Which, by the way... Not, not to be confused with ASMR. No, not to be confused with ASMR. We are just SMR. Uh, make sure you're following six-man rotation on Twitter as well. Uh, we've all taken kind of a little bit of a hiatus because we're all in the same boat. You know, some of us are struggling to get jobs. Uh, COVID's kind of slowed down the sports world. So we haven't been doing it as much. But now that baseball's coming back, we've been talking about, you know, revamping the site, getting everything going. So make sure you're following all that. Um, but for me personally, like I said, Corey Austin, SMR on Twitter. That is where you can find me, DM me, talk to me, whatever you need. Yeah, and you can find me at Luke the Kid 3 And as Corey mentioned, at the Gate 4 podcast number four. So thank you guys for listening. And uh, go yep. Yanks. Before we go, I just want to say, if you do follow Luke on Twitter, keep a throw-up bag by you because this man's food takes are atrocious. It'll be a wild ride, I'll tell you that. It will It'll be a wild ride. A wild ride if you follow me. So uh, we appreciate the support. We'll be back again next week. We're going to do this every week, Corey. We're going we're gonna to finally hunker down and, and get it yes, going. Sir, so now, that you're done, now that you're done with school, we got it. And I got to give the obligatory. Go Yanks.
Go Yanks!